All right, Jabosai, good morning, good morning. Let us, let us begin. I want to begin by thanking our sponsors, to thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Cheshvan, Mayor and Rachel Gold, for dedicating all the Shurim this month in memory of Yona Tzvi Ben Chaim Elazar Hakohen Zichron Levracha. And to thank Noam and Leah Efron for dedicating the Shurim and Drashos this month in honor of and in celebration of the 98th birthday of Noam's grandfather, Yosef Herschel Ben Mordechai Alevi. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatori will be benched with many years of Gizund and Nachos. And the day of learning today is dedicated by the Kehila as a Zichus for Rafur Shalima for Selma Wolf. Selma, you know, is, uh, those of you who have been in the shul for all know that Selma is a pillar of the community. She's having surgery this morning, actually as we speak at Hopkins and Amir Tashem, she should just have a complete and enduring Rafur. We dedicate our learning today as a Zichus for Sara Bas Ito Devora and hope that she will have a Rafur together with Kol Choleis. So, with that, let us begin. Last staff of Meseches Be'ashachianu, v'kiyimanu, v'higiyanu l'azman azeinu, the excitement about the end of a new Mesechta, just to be very clear, the excitement of sometimes certain Mesechtas, the excitement is, let's be honest, it's over. It's over, right? But that, that's, that's not the real excitement of a Mesechta. The real excitement of a Mesechta is that I'm so eager to see what's next, Right? I can't wait to see, like, what, what else? What other adventures? I think I've seen everything already. And then again, in Meretz Hashem, like I said yesterday, we thought Rosh Hashanah is over, but in fact, Rosh Hashanah is just beginning in Meretz Hashem tomorrow morning. That's the excitement. It should never be chas v'shalom mistaken for an excitement of, oh, I'm so happy to be done. Chas v'shalom. It's an excitement to finish one thing so that I have the ability and the opportunity to be able to move on to something else. So I will say with that, Mishnah, bottom of Lamites, some of the day, says the Mishnah, Misha hayu peirosa bi'ira cheres, ve'erevu b'nei osa ir lahavi etzlomi peirosa. So I will say a very interesting case. Remember, the theme that we have been focusing on is the idea that your produce, it's not just your produce, your stuff has your tchum. Right, your gashmios, your gashmios is an extension of you. So just like your livestock has your tchum, so so too again your produce. This is an interesting case. In this situation over here, I have produce in another city. In another city. That city is outside of my tchum. So as far as I'm concerned, I was not going to access that produce over the course of Yamtiv. Oops, let me just check. I was not going to access that produce over the course of Yomtiv. Good. And then, what happens? Let's say the produce is in City A. The residents of City A then went ahead and decided to do a nice thing. They extended their tchum so that they could bring me the produce. So a very interesting case. The produce is accessible to me, not because I made a tchum to make it, or I made an Erev to make it accessible, but because the townspeople made it accessible or extended their tchum to bring it to me. So we'll say, what's the status of the fruit? So the Gemara Mishnah says, Lo yaviyalo. The halacha is, they should not bring it to me. Again, this is not a chiddish. This is in line with everything we've learned because my produce has my tchum. So it's very nice that the townspeople, where the fruit is deposited, made an Erev to be able to bring the fruit to me, but that doesn't change the fact that the fruit itself was limited by my tchum. So just like I could not get to the city in which the fruit is deposited. Therefore, again, they should not bring it to me, even though for them, technically speaking, it is permissible. So the Gemara says, 
Berosav kamo. But if I made an Erev, whatever works for me, works for my fruit. I must say an incredible Musar Haskil as well. That sometimes we, we don't, we think, you know, if, if, you off, if you look at the psychology of hate in general, if you look at the psychology of sin, so there's a lot of very interesting pieces that drive sin. Because you know that on an intellectual level, hate never makes sense, right? There, there's no such thing as an Avera that makes sense. If you take a piece of paper, any, any Avera you want to commit, the best, most gishmak Avera you could think of, you, make a, you, make a, uh, you take a piece of paper, you write one column pros, one column cons. Which one always wins? Okay, there should be a little bit more of a resounding answer to that one. Right, wow, wow, okay. Maybe we'll just make a Muslim say during marriage session. We'll skip the that for a little while. We'll say, so again, obviously the cons always win, right? The cons always win because whatever you're going to get from an Avera is always going to be limited and temporal. That, that's the reality. The cons could be potentially eternal. So it's not a Shaila. So there's a whole discussion. Again, the Bali Musr grapple with this idea. So if it's so clear intellectually that hate is such a bad idea, so why do we do it? So there's gaiva, there's arrogance, there's taiva, there's desire, there's an innate desire to want to be in control and not be told what to do. There's a whole variety of things. But I think also on a certain level, we also convince ourselves that whatever we do, I'll just do this one thing and all it does is it impacts me. Right? There's, there's no like ripple effect. I, I have this need I want to satisfy. I have this desire I want to satisfy. I'll take care of it. And, and it does, there, there's no ripple effect. Right? We, we think there's like, there's containment of it. And what you begin to see from this halacha is, I will say, just in a simple thing, like every single thing you own is limited by your tchum. Right? So whatever decisions you make on Erev Shabbos, or whatever decisions you make on Erev Yomtiv, that one little decision impacts every single thing that you own. So if one little decision, like whether or not to go east or west on an Erev Yomtiv, impacts every single one of your possessions. Imagine the other decisions we make and like the impact they have as well. One little decision, east or west, everything is impacted. To make a decision to sin or not to sin, to do an Avera, not to do Avera, to make this choice, to make that choice, everything has a ripple effect. And the truth is, every decision we make impacts everything we have and also impacts everyone we are connected to. An incredible Yisod in the COVID Rosh the real thought and significance that we have to bring to bear on all of our decision-making in life. The Gemara goes back to, Misha goes back to, top of Mem. What's a very interesting case? Misha Zimein Etzlo Arachim. Listen to this. Someone invited company over Yamtiv. Lo Yolichu Biyadam Monos. They should not go ahead and take home leftovers on Yamtiv. Now, what, what does this mean? Take a look at Rashi in just a moment. Misha Zimein Etzlo Arachim. Meir Acheres. So we'll say the case over here is like this. I invited company from another city. They're coming to me because they made an Erev Tumen. So their Erev enables them to come to me. I should not go ahead. So now we finished, we finished lunch. They want to go home. The food was delicious. Do you have any leftovers? I say, sure. They want to take the leftovers home back to their city. They can't do that. We'll say, again, not a Chiddush. They can't do it. Why can't they do it? Why can't they do it? Because ultimately it's my food. And because it's my food, my food is limited by my tchum. Unless, of course, if I designated and set aside their portions on Erev Yantiv. Right, so let's say again, I have Archim coming and I say, this is the Archim food. This is the guest food. 
And I actively designated it. I was literally, well, not more than designated. I was Mizake. I conveyed ownership to them on Erev Yomtiv. Rashi points out to me, Rabbi if you take a look at Rashi, Manoseichem Erev Yomtiv, Shemasr Malabayis, Zela Adam Acher B'Meshicha, V'amar lo Zacha B'Manos Halalu L'Ploni, L'Ploni, Dezachin lo L'Adam Shelo B'Fanov. V'hayu Shlamim Ba'oyom Kralim. Listen to this. So if I go ahead and I designate the food that's going to be for the company, and I go to a third party, I said to a third party, acquire this on behalf of my guests, that works. That's called Zachin La'adam Shalom B'fanov. They essentially become the owners of the food prior to Yom Tif. Ah, if you're the owner of food prior to Yom Tif, what Tchum does that food take on? The owner's Tchum. So it turns out that even though I'm going to be serving them the food on Yom Tif, it was really their food, quote-unquote, on Erev Yom Tif. Therefore, Allah Chalamaisa takes on their tchum. Because he takes on their tchum, if I want to send them back with leftovers, that's totally fine. Beautiful. What's the interesting discussion now? Itmar, Hamafkid, Peros, Eitzel, Chavero. Listen to this interesting case. I deposit fruit for safekeeping with my friend. So I have fruit, I, 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 have, uh, I have apples, a basket of apples. I deposit my basket of apples with Ruvain to watch it. So we'll say, what's the Shaila? What's the Shaila? The Shaila is, comes Yamtiv, what tchum or which tchum? Do those apples have? Do the apples have my tchum, the owner's tchum, or the shomer's tchum, the person who's watching it? Sarav so Rav says, no, the, the, fruit, the fruit takes on the tchum of the person with whom it is deposited. Right? The shomer, the shomer takes achrayis for it, and therefore halacha the fruit takes on his, his, his tchum. Shmuel says, no. Shmuel says, no, it takes on, it retains the tchum of the owner. Sirvo says, it's interesting. Essentially, what Shmuel says is, we look at title. We look at title. Who has title? Who has title to the fruit? I have title to the fruit. I know I deposited it with someone else. At the end of the day, however, again, it's mine. Therefore, it retains my tchum. So, Machlok is Rav and Shmuel. So, the Gemara says, Lema, Rav Shmuel, Dazul Tamayhu. So, let's say that Rav and Shmuel both go according to their reasoning. Watch this, this non. Very interesting case. So listen to this case. If I went ahead and I took my shor into the chatzar of my friend with his rishos. So listen to this. So if you go ahead, so let's say I, I bring my ox to Ruvain's to chatzar. And I bring my ox with his rishos. So ultimately, again, if damages occur, Ruvain the Balachotzer is Chayiv. So the, the, let's read it again. Emhechnes Bershos Balachotzer Chayiv. Now we'll say it's going to be The Chachamim say, as long as Ruvain gave Rishos for that, for that ox to be there, Ruvain is Chayiv. Ruvain, the owner of the, of the Chotzer, is owner for any, uh, is, is Chayiv for any damages. Rebbe Omer, the Olam Eino Chayiv, Ad Shikabel Alav Balabayis Lishmar. Rebbe says something different. Rebbe says, no, 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 no. Just because Reuven gave me Rishos to bring my ox into his chaser does not mean that Reuven has taken upon himself what? Achrayis for the shor. It just means that Reuven's given me the right to bring my shor in there. But Lamaisa, the only time Reuven takes on Achrayis for the shor is when? Is when? If Reuven explicitly says, I take achrayis for your shor, for what your shor is doing. Shabbos say fundamental machlokis rabbi nechacham. So let's just clarify the case. I'm going over to Ruvain's house. Say, Ruvain, can I bring my shor into your chatzar? Ruvain says, yes. Shor damages. 
The Shaila is, what is Ruvain's permission? What, is that, what does that cover? So the Chachamim say, Ruvain's permission equals Achrayas. When Ruvain says, you can bring the Shar in, Ruvain says, I'm taking responsibility. So if the ox damages, it's not my responsibility, it's Ruvain's responsibility. Rebbe says, no. Responsibility for a Shar is only taken by Ruvain if Ruvain explicitly says so. Now watch this. Vamrafun, Rafuna said, Vamrav Huna Amarav, Rav Huna said in the name of Rav, this is going to be very important, Halacha Kedivrei Chachamim, the Halacha follows the Chachamim, Ushmuel Amar, Halacha Karebi, and Shmuel says that the Halacha follows Rabbi. Now, say, now watch this, remember, we have two Machloksim over here. Machlokis number one is Tchumen. I deposited fruit with Ruvain. So, right, so whose Tchum does the fruit have? Rav says, Ruvain's Tchum. Shmuel says, My Tchum. Now we have another machlokes. Rabbi Nechachamim. I bring my shor into Ruvain Schatz with his permission. Does Ruvain take achrayas for the shor? Chachamim say yes. Rabbi says no. Now you have Rav saying, Ta'aloch hazak ta'acham, which makes sense. I will say why. Because Rav says, Rav says, that halacha lemaisa, Rav says ta'aloch follows the Chachamim. Because Rav says essentially, when you put something in someone else's domain with their permission, what happens? They take responsibility. Therefore, again, when I deposit my fruit with Ruvain, Ru- the fruit's going to take on Ruvain's tchum. When I bring my shar into Ruvain's chatzer, ultimately, again, Ruvain is responsible. On the other hand, Shmuel says the halacha follows Rebbe. Right? Shmuel says, when I deposit my fruit with Ruvain, that's still my fruit. Retains my tchum. When I bring my shar into Ruvain's chatzer, it's still my responsibility unless Ruvain explicitly accepts responsibility for it. Solema, Rav, Do'amr, Kirabanon, Ushmuel, Do'amr, Kirabi. Bepashtos, Rav holds like the Rabbanon, and Shmuel holds like Rabbi. To which the Lord says, maybe not. Amr lecha, Amr lecha, Rav, Ana da'amr afilu l'Rabbi. So Rav would say, even by Tchumen, even by Tchumen, normally I say, that what? When you deposit fruit with someone, that the, the, the fruit takes on the Tchum, of the person with whom you deposited it. But ultimately, again, by the case of the ox, I could even hold like Rebbe. I could even hold like Rebbe. So says the Gemara, Ad kan lo kam Rebbe hasam, elo de bistama lo kabil alein nitirusa. Because Rebbe only said in this particular case, in a stam case, because in a stam case, the owner of the chadzer does not accept responsibility for the shar. Aval hacha, but over here, meaning in the case of Tchumen, ha kabil alein nitirusa. The case that we're referring to in, in our Mishnah over here, sorry, in the Braisa, is I'm depositing fruit with Ruvain. What's the chap when you deposit fruit from someone? I will say, what, what, what is the Shomer taking Achrayas for? What is he taking Achrayas for? The fruit. So, I say, so, so all Rav is saying over here is the cases are not really similar. Right? One is talking about, by definition, the act of depositing something with someone means they're taking Achrayas for it. As opposed to the case of bringing your shar into someone's chancer, that does not automatically mean that halacha that person is taking achrayas for damages. Ushmuel or Shmuel will say, Shmuel would say, I even hold according to the Rabbanon. How so? Ad kan lo kami Rabbanon hasam, ela dinei chalele inish, dinei kum turei birshu seidabal chancer. Well, say, listen to this. This is fascinating. Shmuel says, I like the Rabbanon. Why? We'll say, when I bring my, everyone knows, when you bring your shar to your friend's house, what's in your best interest? What's in your best interest? 
that's your friend that takes responsibility, right? In your best interest, because the shard knocks into something, the shard hits something, the shard damages something. It's in your best interest that your friend takes responsibility of the shard. However, but over here in the case of Tchumin, is it in my best interest that my fruit take on the Tchum of the Shomer? No, not necessarily, because as we've seen before, that could potentially limit my ability to access my fruit on Yom Tiv itself. So Tanan, so we'll say, so therefore again, as much as the Gemara wanted to line up these two Machloksim, essentially the Gemara has proven that they're not necessarily in alignment. So therefore we're back to square one. I deposited fruit with Ruven on Erev Yom Tiv. The Shaila now becomes, what Tchum do we associate with, or what Tchum do we assign to that fruit? So again, Rav will say, Rav will say, ultimately it takes on the tchum of the Shomer, and Shmuel will say, it retains the tchum of the owner. So it says, let's analyze a bit more. So Tinan, Vim Erev, Vim Erev, Hu Perosav Kamau. Right, we learned in the Mishnah, that if you make an Erev, your fruit is like you. In other words, your fruit, your possessions, your fruit has the same tchum as you do. V'i Amrit, Keragle Mishev Kido Etzlo, Ki arif hu, ki or ki erif hu, my hobby. Now, I'll say, interestingly enough, the Mishnah seems to make, you know, just a, 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 an across-the-board statement that when you make an erif, your, your, I'm sorry, when you make, when you make an erif, your fruit has your erif. Now, again, that seems to apply in all cases, which should seem to say that even in a case where you deposited the fruit with someone else, that fruit should retain my, the owner's erif. To which the Gemara says, "So my my hobby. I'm sorry. Kiyas Omar Kiyas Hobby. I'm Rav Huna. I'm Rav. I'm Rav Huna. I'm Rebbe Rav. Kigon Sheyichid Lo Karen Zavis. We'll say first wide line. What's the case over here? We'll say what's the case? It could be that we're dealing with a case where the Shomer set aside a corner, a corner of his home, for me to deposit my fruit. Now we'll say." What's the chap of depositing, of, of, of identifying a corner? Look at Rashi. Sheyichi lo keren zavis, de oshle beisa, hilchach bershos hamafkidhein, aval hocha de mashkein shomer vekibala of shimirasan, harehen kraglo. So I'll say, interestingly enough, the Gemara wants to suggest as follows, that it's quite possible that there are two different kinds of shmira cases. Right? There's two different cases. There is a case of where I give over fruit to the shomer. And, or I should say, to the, yeah, to the Shomer. Now, when a person becomes a Shomer, I will say, what does a Shomer have? One word. Shomer has? Achrayis. In a case where he's a Shomer, he has Achrayis. Bipashtos, the fruit takes on his Tchum. Because he is, the Shomer, in many respects, becomes a quasi-owner. There's a different type of Shmira. The other type of Shmira is, I say to Reuven, Reuven, can I deposit my fruit with you? And Reuven says, sure. You know, you could just put it in a corner over there. Yichid lo keren zavis is essentially a way of saying, if you want to store your stuff here, you're more than welcome to, but I take what? No achrayas. No achrayas. So essentially what I'm doing is, I'm giving you free space. I'm giving you free storage, but, but I'm, not, I'm, I'm, not involved. I'm not involved in it. Oh, yichid lo keren zavis, in a case like that, it makes sense to say, whose tchum do the fruit, does the fruit have? Whose tchum? Ultimately, that'll be the owner. Because in that case, the Shomer is not assuming any level of quasi-ownership of it. So I will say, so it turns out 
there's really two different cases of Shomer. There's a classic Shomer, which is a case with Achrayis. So, okay, if the Shomer takes Achrayis, he becomes the quasi-owner. According to the Gemara over here, the fruit will take on his Tchum. But if it's Yichel or Karen Zavis, where the guy is, Ruven is just telling me, sure, put your stuff down over there. You're more than welcome to leave it there as long as you want. But I'm not being metapa with it. I'm not getting involved in it. Then that fruit retains the tchum of its owner. Incredible. Tashma, we'll say first wide line. Let's go back to the other case of the Mishnah. I'm having company from another city on Yamtiv, right? They made they made an air of Tchumen. That's how they're able to come to me for lunch. We have the Suda. They love the food. They want to take home leftovers. Can they take home leftovers? What does the Mishnah say? Can they take home leftovers? No. Why? Because my food has my Tchum. The only way I can get around this is how? Is if Halacha Lameisa, I, 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 I gave over ownership of their portion to them on Erev Yamtiv. V'i Amrit Kiragle Mishev Kido Etzlo. So I don't understand. According to what we just said, Let's say, even if it's true, even if it's true that I gave over ownership to them on Erev Yamtiv. So let's play this out. So I'm having over the Schwartz family on, on Yamtiv. So I decide, you know what, the Schwartzes, they love my food, they want to take them leftovers. So what do I do? On Erev Yamtiv, I call over Ruben. I say, Ruben, acquire this food on behalf of Mishpachas Schwartz. Acquire it on behalf of them. Fantastic. We'll say, what happens the moment after Ruben acquires that? So now who becomes the owner of the food? Yeah. Right? The Schwartz family. And we'll say, who's the Shomer? I'm the Shomer, right? Because remember again, where is the food being deposited? It's in my house. So now, one second. So let's say, so how does this work? We just got finished saying that what? If you're a Shomer over something and you have Achrayas over it, so ultimately again, whose Tchum does the food acquire? You are the Shomer. So how does, so remember, the mission says have a great Chap. Your company wants it, this is incredible. You want it, the company wants to take on leftovers. No problem. Just convey ownership to them on Erev Yamtiv and then they can take over their leftovers on Yamtiv. Really? We je- now again, remember, even if I go through this whole process, I convey ownership to the Schwartzes through a third party, through Ruvain, through Ruvain. You have to use a third party, because remember, in Halacha, you can't be the Makna and the Kona, right? You can't be the person who is conveying ownership and also acquiring it on behalf of someone else. So, I think I mentioned this a little while ago. You know where this comes up? You know, when I, when I, when I make an Erev Tavshilin, so I do it on behalf of the entire shul. But in order to do that, um, it's also my Erev. So someone else, someone else has to be Kona it on behalf of the rest of the shul. So I, I, I can't be the owner of the Erev and also Kardama. So I, somebody else has to acquire it on behalf of the, so you have to use a different person for that. So the idea over here, the Gemara says, the Gemara says is, even if you go through this whole process, I'm still the Shomer. I'm still the Shomer of the Schwartz's food. And Lemaisa, we just said that what? When someone is a Shomer, Halacha Lemaisa, the food acquires the Tchum of the Shomer. So we're right back where we started. Such an incredible Shailah. Vi Amrit Kiragle Mishef Kido Etzlo. Kizachala. And if you say that food takes on the Tchum of the Shomer, Kizachala Hemaide Acher, Mayhavi. Who cares if I conveyed ownership over a third, to a third party? So it's true. I convey titular ownership of the food to the Schwartz family. But la Mesa, la Gabe Tchum, we're right back where we started. Third wide line, Rabbi Osei. So, Hachanami, Kisidh Gimara says, Kisidh Hachanami, Kevin Shezach Lamay Deacher, Kimish, Kisidh Gimara says, I'll give you the answer. Hachanami, Kevin Shezach Lamay Deacher, Kimish Sheyichi Lo Karen Zavis Dami. Oh. 
Very interesting. To which the Gemara suggests that Halacha Lemaisa, the act of conveying ownership to the Schwartz family through a third party, is the equivalent of putting the food in a corner. Right? And Abbas, remember again, what did we say before? When Halacha Lemaisa, Yichilo Karen Zavis, essentially says, the Shomer says, you can put your food here, but I'm not exerting any ownership over it. So the Gemara suggests allowing a third party to acquire the food on behalf of the Schwartz family is the equivalent of putting that food in a corner, identifying a corner, putting the food there, which essentially means when I give over ownership through a third party, I am relinquishing any ownership level over it. And therefore, it's as if it was just deposited in a corner. It fully belongs to the Schwartz family, and therefore it has their tchum. Incredible. The other possibility is zacha shiny. We'll say this is also a little bit different. In other words, if I'm going out of my way on Erev Yomtiv to convey ownership of an object to someone else, it is clear that I'm being masalic, I'm removing myself from that object in totality, including my tchum relationship with that object. Look at Rashi. It's almost right across. Rashi Zachashayni, The whole reason I'm doing this is to remove my tchum relationship with this item. So essentially, answer number one is that the act of conveying ownership through a third party is the equivalent of placing the item in a corner. Answer number two, which seems to be, speak a bit more to the mechanics of this is, if I'm going out of my way to convey ownership to the Schwartz family on Erev Yomtiv through a third party, there is no greater legal statement that I'm withdrawing my ownership, withdrawing my Tchum relationship than that. Good. So it says Gimara, Rav Chana Bar Chaniloi, was an interesting case. This is so beautiful. Rav Chana Bar Chaniloi, Tala Bisra Be'evra Didasha. Rav Chana Bar Chaniloi hung a piece of meat on his doorway. Right, that's uh, that's Arab Right, a big slab of meat hanging from your doorway. Right, so say, so now you'll you'll see why the story is important. The, the background to the story is as follows: Rav Chana Bar was in a different city. Arab Yamtiv, he went to purchase meat. He went to purchase meat. So he's staying. He's staying at an inn. He's staying by a host. He purchases the meat. He hangs it on the door by the pivot of the door. His intention is tomorrow to go home. To go home. And he's going to take his meat with him. And he's going to go and he's going to have Sudas Yomtev at home. Okay. So now watch this. So he came before Rafuna. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, He was staying at an inn. He was a, he was literally as, at a host. He was literally at a host. So very interesting case. Well, see, it's also interesting sometimes when you see like how different Yomtev looked, right? It's so fascinating that Rabbi, you know, Rabbi Chana Bar Chanilai, Erev Yomtev, he's going to buy the meat, right? Yomtev night, he's not at home, right? He's got the meat, he's staying at an inn, the meat is hanging on the door. Yomtev day, he's going to go daven, he's going to walk home, the meat's on his shoulder, right? He's gonna, it's, just, it's just fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So what happens? He goes to... Rafuna Bosa, remember again, you'll say to yourself, why didn't he just do this before Yom Div? What's the answer? There's no refrigeration. 
and that probably means that there was no shulchet in his town. So th- this might have been the way that people were getting, you know, we, we have such a different conception about how things work, right? Our, our, our challenge is, what time does the butcher close, right? Like what, you know, you know, this is like, if you lived in a city that didn't have access to fresh meat, this is what you would have to do on Yom Tiv. So he's there, so we'll say, watch this. So therefore, what does he do? He goes and he asks Rav Huna. So he asks, so it's interesting. He did this already. In other words, the meat's hanging on the door. And he asks Rav Huna, Rebbe, just want to make sure that everything I'm doing is on the up and up, right? Is this, is this all kosher and yasher? So listen to this. Amrle, so Rav Huna said to him, if you're the one who hung, hung, hanged, hung. If you're the one who hung the meat on the doorstop, you're good to go on the door pivot. But if your hosts, if they were the ones who hung up the meat for you, you can't use the meat. You can't take the meat home. So the Gemara says, well, one second, let's, let's analyze this a little bit. Now, one second, is that true? Even if, right, even if he hung up the meat himself, he still shouldn't be able to take it home. Why not? We'll say, watch this. Because Rav Huna was a Talmud of Rav. We'll say, what did Rav just say before? When you deposit something with someone, whose tchum does the object take on? What did Rav say? The Shomer. Shabbos, remember again, where is Rav Chana Bar He's a guest. Where is he hanging the meat? On the door. Who does the door belong to? His hosts, which essentially means he's depositing the meat with someone else. Well, if he's depositing the meat with someone else, that meat should take on the tchum of the Shomer, in which case he should not be able to bring it back home on Yom Tiv. But said, this is also presupposing that his host, right, and have different tchumen, right? If they have same tchumen, that's not a problem. Assume they have different tchumen. So the Gemara says, shiny ivra didasha dikimishi dami. No, 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 the door pivot is different because hanging meat on a door pivot is like the shomer telling the owner of the object, here I'm giving you a corner. And what did we establish? When the shomer says, I'm giving you a corner, what does that mean? I will say, what does that mean? The shomer is not asserting any level of ownership over it. He's just giving free storage and therefore his tchum does not impact the object at all. Amir Philo Ravashi, so also listen to this. So Rafilo said, Ravashi, ve'i inhu talule lo shakil, but yet, remember, Rav Huna said, Rav Chana Bar you could take it home if you, if you hung it on the door, on the door pivot, on the door stop, right, on the, on the door, right? But if your hosts, right, if the hosts before you're staying, if they hung it, you can't take it. Why not? So the Gemara says, V'ilu talu lo shak, Shmuel, shor shal patam, harehu karag le'koladam. say, we learned that what? We learned that halacha lamaisa. Now, here's what's interesting, by the way. Uh, one important point. Rashi says, who was running this base Ushpazichne, right? Who was running this guest house? This was the butcher, right? So I will say, so this butcher was a good businessman. He must have been selling to the neighboring towns. So he, he, was, he was a butcher and he ran a little better breakfast, right? So a little, a little better breakfast on the side, right? So the Maisa, so the Maisa, so he's staying in the butcher's bed and breakfast. So I will say, so now watch this. We learned before that what? If you buy an ox from the patam, what's the patam? The fattener, right? What's the halacha? You buy it on Yom Tiv. Whose tchum does that ox have? Remember? The purchasers, right? Because the patam, the fattener has in mind that he's going to sell these shvarim, these oxen on Yom Tiv. 
So we'll say, so why wouldn't that be the same thing over here? If Rav Chana Bar is buying from the butcher, and the butcher runs the bed and breakfast, and the entire, the entire purpose of the butcher is what? To sell the meat. This should be like the ox of the fattener. And therefore, who cares who hung up the meat? It doesn't make a difference. This should take on the tchum of Rav Chana Bar so let's analyze this. And if they went ahead and hung it up for him, why should he not be able to take it? What did Rabbi Dosa say? That in the situation, remembering of us, we had this a few days ago, that where there's one shepherd in the city, where there's one shepherd in the city, what's the halacha? <coughs> If you look at Rashi, Rashi says, That where there's one shepherd in the city, and everyone knows they're going to give their, their ox to that one shepherd, or, their, or their, their livestock to that one shepherd, that it takes on the trum of that one shepherd. So I'll say, same idea. The Gemara is asking, why wouldn't, why wouldn't the, why wouldn't the meat take on the trum ultimately again of the Avrav Chanabar Chaniloi? To which the Gemara says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So is this true that if they hung it up for him, he would not be able to take it? Vatnan, we learned. Ultimately, again, behema and kelim are like the they have the tum of their owner. So the point the Gemara is making over here is, I don't understand why it is that Rav Chana Bar Chaniloi would not be able to take the meat back to his tchum. It does not make any sense. To which I will say, this is an incredible answer. Shani Rav Chana Bar Chaniloi Tegavra Rabahu Vitarid Bishmaite. I will say, the answer is, this has nothing to do with Tchum. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Tchum. What was the problem? I will say, there's a separate halachic problem called Basar Shenis Aleim Mina Ayin. Halacha if you, if you have meat, if you have meat, and there are, and there are other people around that meat, especially non-Jews around that meat, if you lose track of that meat, you cannot eat it. There is a concern that the kosher meat may have been substituted with non-kosher meat. So what's the problem? I said, this is so beautiful. Rav Chanabar Chanilai was a Gavra Rabba. was a Gavra, was a great man. Rabba say, what makes a great man? Ditarid Bishmaisei. What makes a great man is, he was always learning. Rabbi will say, Tard say, by the way, doesn't, I want to just point out over here. How do you see from here that Tard say doesn't mean he was always learning? What does he mean, does, was always, how do you know he was, how do you know if Chana Bar wasn't always learning? How do you know that? <laughs> he went to get meat. say, it's not the Pshat that he's sitting in the center and says, listen, I don't have time, do me a favor. He sends, he sends a guy, right? Every Jewish person has a guy, right? Rav Bar could have had a guy to get, he went himself. You see from something amazing. Tarid Bishmaite doesn't mean you're always learning. But Tarid Bishmaite means your mind is always on learning. See, I both say, none of us, I'm talking to us, could always be learning, right? We have day jobs. We do a lot of things. The Shaila is, what's the focus of your life? What's the focus of your life? 
is the focus of my life. My career is the focus of my life. My hobbies, it's Sunday morning, so I'll say it's the focus of my life. Football, softball, whatever anybody runs to do, right? What, what, what's the focus of my life? What's the focus? And I will say that focus speaks volumes about who I am. Focus doesn't mean I'm always doing it because you have to do other things in life. But the shaila is in my pyramid of existence, what sits on the top? What sits on the top? By the way, it's not just the thing that sits on the top that's most important, because you know the pyramid is, there's one thing on top, but there's two things below that, and there's three things below that. How does your pyramid of life stack up? Rav Chani Bar Chani Loi was a man who was tarred bishmaisei. He was just always occupied with learning. And as a result, and, as a res- and therefore what? If you look at Rashi, first wide line, second wide line, sorry. So listen to this. Because of Chanabar Chanilai was always occupied ultimately again with his learning. So therefore again, the Gemara says, and he said like this, if you're the one who hung the meat up, then you made a simon in the meat. And the Rabbi says, as long as there's a simon in the meat, there's no worry of basr shenesalim in ayin. Why? Because if it's been swapped out for something else, then what? You could see that. However, velo mesachta daitcha mina. Zil shakol. Vi inho talilucha, mischas daitcha velo tishkol. But at the end of the day, if what? If someone else hung it up for you, then what? Then halacha lamaisa, you process, you didn't make a simon in it. And if you didn't make a simon in it, you have to be concerned with basr shenes alim So also, interestingly enough, it comes out that the issue over here, halacha lamaisa, is not one is not one of Tchumen, but rather one ultimately of Basar Shinnis Ali Mina'ayin. Incredible, I will say. So good. I say the, the, the bottom line, by the way, is always that your produce, your stuff, has your Tchum. Now, what I will point out is, interestingly enough, Halakha Lamaisa, whether or not, whether or not the, what, what happens if you're mafkin payros by someone, right? Whose Tchum does that take on? So the way that the Rambam Paskins is as follows. In a regular case of Shmira, where I handed over the produce to someone and he's the Shomer, where it, because Shmira has some level of ownership associated with it, therefore what? Therefore, Halacha Lamaisa, it takes on the Tchum of the Shomer. However, in a case of Yichid Lo Karen Zavis, where the Shomer just what? Said, here, put it over there and offered me, offered me storage, free storage, then Halacha Lamaisa, under that circumstance, under that circumstance, it ultimately goes in and retains the tchum of the owner. Beautiful. What's the last mission of the Masechta? In mashkin v'shoktenes, I'm in barrios, I'm mashkin v'shoktenes, abaisos. What's the animals? We're not talking about two different kinds of animals. There are what we call mebarrios. Mebarrios we'll call free-range animals. But it's more than free-range, because free-range today, I think, means something very different. Mebarrios means animals that would go out to pasture and would not come back. Now, they would come back, of course, at some point. We'll discuss, we'll discuss how long they're out for. Versus baisos. Baisos are domestic animals. So what's the You cannot water and shecht midbarios, but you can water and shecht baisos. We'll discuss why the Mishnah is discussing watering. Really, we're talking about shechidor. We'll say, why can't you go out and shecht midbarios on Yom Tev? Why not? Why not? You know this already by now. Why not? They're not muchan. Hilchos mokza. They're not muchan. Because since they were out, you did not have access to them on Erev Yantiv. So Bepashtos, because you did not have access, therefore what? 
Therefore, you do not have any level of intention of using them, and therefore, they're set aside for non-use. Eloin baisos, what is considered to be domestic, halonos beir, those are animals that go ahead and sleep inside of the city. Bin barrios, halonos beifer, barrios, those are animals ultimately, again, that sleep in the pasture. Says the Gemara, Lama lilameimar mashkin v'shochtin. So I will say, ultimately, again, why do you have to say watering and slaughtering? Right? Really, the ikar over here is what? The ikar over here is slaughtering. Right? It's shechita. It's not about going ahead and mashkin. Right? It's not about going in and watering the animals. Well, this is very interesting. You're right. It's nothing to do with watering. It's all about slaughtering. So how do you bring up watering? Milsa agav archei kamash malon. The Gemara is just teaching me an inter- the Gemara is teaching me an interesting side point. What's the interesting side point? That a person should first water his animal and then shecht. And then shecht. Why? It makes sense to water your animal before you shecht because if the animal is better hydrated, then what? The hide comes off easier. Good. So just, just you'll pocket this, right? You never know when you need this. So we'll say another brisa. Let's see the distinction between midbarios and baisos. The Gemara says midbarios. Midbarios. Kol shiotzi bePesach. The raos baAfar. These are animals. We'll say that go out to pasture by Pesach and they stay in the pasture. The nichnasos beRevia Rishona. And pretty much they stay out in the pasture until the first rains. One of the first rains after Sukkis. After Sukkis. So pretty much they're out. They're pretty much out between Pesach and Cheshvan, right about now. Ve'eloin baisos, and ultimately, again, these are the domestic animals. Koshiyotos v'roz chus letchum, u'baos v'lonos b'sochatchum. They're animals that when they go out to pasture, they go out to pasture outside of the trum, but at night, they always sleep within the trum. Rabbi, Omer Rabbi says, no, no, no. Elu v'elu baisos. Both say, both of these animals, in other words, whether animals, even, even in other words, what he's really saying is, even animals that go out by Pesach, and come back by Cheshvan, by the first rains, those are also considered to be domestic animals. Ela, Eloi Midbarios, so what are Midbarios? Koshiyotzos, Vraos, Baafar, Vein Nichnasos, Le Yishuv, Lobi Mosachamav, Lobi Mosachishamim. Those are animals of Osa that since you got to pasture and what? Never come back. <laughs> so, in other words, if you want them, you have to go out and find them. You have to track them down. But pretty much once they go out to pasture, they're not coming back into habitation at all. So the Gemara is interesting. So what Rebbe's saying is, now remember again, what's Tavach So we have a machlokes about the definition of midbarios. But the bottom line halacha for midbarios is the same. What's the status of midbarios? What's the status of midbarios? Can you shech midbarios on Yom Tif? No. Why? Because again, since, since they're pretty much not accessible, we assume they're not muham. We assume they're not going to be, essentially we'll say, just to compare it, Midbarios animals are like apples on the tree. Can you pick an apple from the tree on Yom Tiv? No, right? And even if it falls off, can you use it? No, why? Because at the onset of Yom Tiv, it was set aside for non-use. So Midbarios are looked at in the same way. So both say the Gemara says, and now Rebbe just quoted this new definition from Midbarios, to which the Gemara asks, Umi isle le Rebbe Moktza? Does Rebbe hold of the concept of Moktza? Vahabamini Rebbe Shemba Rebbe Me Rebbe, Bezer Shemba Rebbe asked the Rebbe, both say, get ready for this. Patsile Tamra, the Rebbe Shimon Mahu, what's the status of Patsile Tamra? Both say, for the Smichas Chavar Chavra, you're not going to believe this. Look at Rashi, Patsile Tamra, like second to last line, Tamarim Shein Mispashlos Be'ilon Li'olam, 
these are dates. But say there's a certain sug, a certain uh, type of date that really never fully ripens on the tree. And what happens? Vegodrin osameilin, you shake it off the tree. And you make choslos for these dates. So both say, what are choslos? Right? They're, they're baskets made out, of, uh, made out of palm fronds, right? Made out of palm branches. Choslos. Is it a clean? Is it a clean? No, it's not a clear at all, right? Not a clear at all, right? These are choslos, right? Klikapos, tomorrow, mekotsnos, so comes bashal. So we'll listen to this. We'll say, well, I'll just take a moment to say, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, we start the new smichas chaverzman. It is an incredible time to, many of you will be receiving personal messages from me today, right? And I hate being disappointed. I manage, like, my entire sense of self-esteem hinges on people joining this new chabura. So I said, please don't let me down, or I'm going to send you the therapy bills. So if you get a message from me today about smichas chaver, don't be surprised. So the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says as follows. So I, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi asked of Rabbi, what's the status ultimately again? Can you eat of these dates on Yamtiv, Amrlay, a Muktzel Rabbi Shimon. So I'll say the chap of this is these are immature dates. These are immature dates that you take them off the tree, you fashion these these baskets made out of palm branches, right? And you let the dates mature to whatever degree they can inside of this basket. So they asked, according to Rabbi Shimon, can you eat these dates on Yamtiv? Amrlay, in Muktzel Rabbi Shimon. According to Rabbi Shimon, ultimately again there is no Muktzel on the days. Ella grogros vitzimukin bilvad. With the exception, ultimately, of dried figs and raisins. Now, both sides. What's unique about the case of dried figs and raisins? This is fascinating. Look at Rashi. Elagrogos etzimukin shehen mitchila roin lachila vudacha olsam yadayim lalosam liyavshon b'shuvein roin achi yavshu. As always, listen to this. According to Rabbi Shimon, who holds of a more relaxed definition of mukta, the only situation of mukta that he agrees to is as follows. Figs and raisins. What's the thing about figs and raisins? Yeah, saying that was inedible. I'm sorry, edible. Edible. Now you subject it to a drying process, which during that process it becomes inedible, and it will become edible again at the end of that process. So Rabbi Shimon says that's a case of muktzah. But we'll say why is that a case of muktzah? Because you've done something to actively render it inedible. So when you've done something to be doha, to set it aside for non-use, that's when muktzah sets in. But anything that is technically usable, Rabbi Shimon will say, is not mokta, to which the Gemara says, so what we're intrigued by by this is as follows. Rabbi seems to hold of mokta, even though we have, right, because Rabbi's giving us a definition of midbarios, even though Rabbi elsewhere seems to indicate that he doesn't hold of mokta. So what's going on over here? So you'll say the case of midbarios is like a case of figs and raisins, meaning the fact that you let them out to pasture. Look at Rashi. You let those animals go out on the free range. So because you let them go out, therefore they're like figs and dried figs and raisins. You are mekatsas that be That's why they're going to be mokta. The velelos. I'm sorry. Um, the dvav Rabbi Shimon Kamalei velelos sviolei. Or maybe the other possibility is that no, Rebbe's making his comment in accordance with the position of Rabbi Shimon's view of mokta. But Rebbe himself does not hold that way. The other possibility is Maybe Rebbe is, is addressing his comments to the Rabbanon. What does he say? Rebbe will say, listen, for me, 
I hold of a very loose view of Moktza. Right, Ross, remember again, we said, it's not that everybody holds of Moktza. The Shailajest is what? How restrictive or how permissive are you? So Rebbe will say, in reality, I hold of a very permissive view of Moktza. Right? But according to you, right, Rabbanon, who hold a more restrictive view, Odeli Mihas, Heicha Diyotos Veroas Bepesach, Vinichnasos Berevia Rishon, the Baiso saying, Srebi says like this, I hold a very permissive view of Mokta. But you, Rabbanan, at least agree with me that if you have an animal that goes out by Pesach and will come back Cheshvan by the first rains, will you at least agree with me that that's called a domestic animal, not a free-range animal? And therefore what? And therefore you could shech that type of animal on Yom Tov. At least agree with me on that defini- definition of Ra'amrali Rabbanan lo midbariyosein. And the Rabbanans say, no, we disagree fundamentally. We disagree with you in Muktza in general, but we also disagree with you about the definition of Midbarios. That we hold that Midbarios, even an animal that goes out Pesach and will come back Cheshvan, uh, first rain, that animal is also called Midbarios, a free-range animal. Sirbos said, interestingly enough, what comes out of here is as follows, that Halacha everyone will agree with the mission on the designations, that you can go ahead and Shecht, or we'll call a domestic animal, but you can't shecht a free-range animal. What you see come out over here, halacha lamaisa, is a machlokes regarding the definition, ultimately, of the free-range animal. So I will say, interestingly enough, the Rambam, the Rambam accepts the definition that's brought down in the Brisa. That ultimately, again, the definition of Midbarios, the definition of Midbarios is an animal that goes out Pesach and comes back, comes back by the first rains. Baisos, domestic animals, ultimately, again, is any animal that goes out and grazes outside of the Tchum, but will always come to sleep inside of the Tchum. We'll say this brings us to an end of Mesech Hezbeah. I just want to share with you something amazing. The Ben Yehoyada, I'm going to send out the piece a little bit later on. He has a beautiful Arichos. He discusses the idea that Chazal always liked to make a connection between the beginning of the Mesechta and the end of the Mesechta. So he goes on a whole Arichos over there, which I'll send to you. But he makes a beautiful observation. He says, if you take the first letter of the Mesechta and the last letter of the Mesechta, the first letter of the Mesechta was Beis. Last letter of the Masechta is Anun, is Ben, is Ben, a son. Ben Yerod explains so beautifully that the entire essence of learning is Banim Atem Lashem Elokeichem. When we learn, when we learn, we cultivate a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When we learn, see, we learn often to understand halachas. We learn often to absorb material, to know how to function in our activities of daily lives as Torah Jews. There, there is a utilitarian purpose to learning. But there's a beautiful relationship component in learning as well. That when I learn the Torah, Kiddushab the Ribbono Shal Olam, it reinforces my identity as his Ben, as his son. Banim Atem Lashem Elokeichem that every single day when I learn the Torah of the Father, I reinforce my relationship to my Father as His Son. But I'll end off with one last piece, which is, you know, because based on the Ben Yada, that the goal of the end of the Masech, is to tie to the beginning, is to focus a little bit, to, to spend one minute on this. How do we open the Masech? Beitza Shenol Dabiyamtiv. So I saw there's a beautiful idea. There's a Sefer on the parasha written by Rav Avram Tzukerman. Was the founder of the Yeshiva Spine Akiva. I guess I should say Yeshiva Spine Akiva. You can't say Yeshiva Spine Akiva. Right? Yeshiva Spine Akiva in Eretz Yisrael. 
and he, he incredible Talmud Chacham, and he quotes a piece by Rav Kook, and he says something so beautiful. Rav Kook said, I don't, I don't remember where he quoted it from Rav Kook. He said that, Rav Kook said like this, he said, you know, when a chick is in the egg, when a chick is in the egg, why does it peck through the shell, right? At the end of the day, right, it's got its little world in there. All is git. You know, every, everything is fine, right? There's nobody bothering him. There's nobody chaperoning him. Why not just stay in the shell? So Rav Kook says, because the chick knows deep down that as great as the shell is, what's waiting on the other side of the shell is even better. Is even better. And that's why the chick, even though it's scary to peck through because the shell is a protective casing, right? The shell shields the chick from so many of the things that the chick doesn't want to have to deal with. There's a lot of craziness in the nest. That's, it's a pretty labor-dig place. It's nice to be in the shell. But deep down, the chick knows that what's waiting for me on the other side of this is so much better than anything I have in here. Cook says that's what drives the chick. So I was thinking, that's really the shot of the opening phrase in the Mishnah. Beginning of the Masechta. We'll tie back to the beginning of the Masechta. Beitza Shenolda. Ultimately, again, if you go ahead and you make yourself into a Beitza Shenolda. So we were always talking about a Beitza Shenolda means the chicken lays the egg. But the truth is, there's another Beitza Shenolda, which is when? Which is when? When the chick pecks through the shell. When you decide in life to peck through your shell. When you decide in life to go ahead and push yourself for more. When you decide that what I have around me is not enough, but I've got to push myself higher for more. You know what that's called? That's called a yomtiv. That's called a yomtiv. That's called a good day. That's called a beautiful day. That's called a celebratory day. Beitza shenolda, when you decide to peck through your shell and to become more, that's yomtiv, says the Mishnah. That's, that's the din that the Mishnah is teaching us. That's the first din. When you decide to learn and become a ben, when you decide to learn and foster your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when you decide to become a Beitza Shenolda, that's Yamtiv. And I say this because we're going to begin a Menuma Sechta tomorrow. And it's very important that when we begin a Menuma Sechta, I have to do more this next Masechta. So actually I have, I'll bring them out. You know, we have notebooks for Rosh Hashanah. If you haven't been taking notes, take a notebook, take notes. Add something on to this next limo. In other words, it's not enough to go to a new Masechta. What am I going to do more now for Rosh Hashanah that ultimately I didn't do for Be'ah? What is it? If I didn't take notes, I'm going to take notes. Maybe I didn't chazer. Okay, so I'm going to spend 10 minutes a night chazering. Whatever, whatever it is. And by the way, maybe it's not Tafyomi. Maybe it's that, you know what? It's a brand new year. It's bracious. To maybe I haven't been doing Shtayim Mikra. I haven't been doing the parasha Chumash and Rashi. Right? I'm going to start doing that now. Or, all kidding aside, I haven't been doing Smichas Chavar. Whenever you finish something, you start something new, it can't be like a linear progression. Okay, I go from Rosh Hashanah, I go from Beya to Rosh Hashanah. But it's the same thing. It's the same. It's just Numasech, the same thing. No, 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 no. Whenever there's something new, there's Hischadshus. Whenever there's something new, it means it's time for more. If I'm finishing Meseches Beya, you're not finished. If you're not a Beitza Shenolda, right? Remember again, I only finish the Masechta if I'm Mekayim, the first Mishnah. And the Kiyim of the first Mishnah is Beitza Shenolda. Only if I birth myself, only if I get out of my shell, only if I move myself forward, then and only then 
am I considered to have been Messiah Mesachas Beah? So I will say, a Mazel Tavala Mesachta. For those who are going to be at the Seum tonight, we look forward to seeing you. If you have not yet made your reservations, I hope Jonas and Kaplan is not listening because he'll kill me. Right? But there's still time, I think, to, to make reservations in Mirat Sasha. I don't know if you're going to get food, but there's still time to make reservations. I'm just kidding. There'll be plenty of food. If you haven't made your reservations, please, it's going to be a beautiful Simcha Satora. And in Mirat Sashem tomorrow morning, we begin Mesechas Rosh Hashanah, Bisha'atova, Um Mitzlachos, Mazel Tov.